recorded in a remote location along the East Coast. Laugh is on a mission to inform the public about the newest box office releases. These shows are called the Weekend Entertainment Edition of the Literature and Film Podcast, a.k.a. We Laugh. Richard Lusk and Ryan Bull want you to know what is worth watching as they preview all the new films coming to a cinema near you. Broadcasting live from Flying Ball Production Studios, it's Laugh, episode 116, and we laugh for the January 29th weekend. I am your host, Mr. Two Frames. Joining me in studios, as always, is the L Train. How are you, sir? I'm wonderful. How are you? Very happy. Uh, I think we have a uh, wealth of choices this weekend for where to go to spend our money to go watch a film. This is was my this week has one of my most anticipated movies of 2015 coming out in 2016. Yeah. This weekend has three films that were supposed to come out in 2015. Ooh. And normally January is kind of a slow month for films. I think three of these films are huge. You mean box really office? Good. Well, maybe. Could be. Uh, really mm, good box office for one of them. Well, I'd be interested to see where you But I think there are three fine films here. All right. Ready? We'll have a box office debate here soon. All right. So Four so, big movies. Though. Since we're talking about fine films, let's talk about The Finest Hour, starring Chris Pine, Graham McCavish, Casey Affleck, and Eric Bana. This is based on the true story of the Coast Guard in 1952 when they had to make a daring rescue attempt off the coast of Cape Cod after a pair of oil tankers are destroyed during a blizzard. Uh, this film was originally supposed to come out back in April or it was supposed to come out in April of this year. It got pushed up to October 9th of last year before it was sent back to January 29th. Yeah, I've been seeing the trailers for this for a long time. So mm-hmm. uh, you had the inside skivvy on that or the news. Well, what's yeah, up? Why, it was why? supposed to come out April 15th of this year. But the Jungle Book, the live action with some CGI in it, okay, they ran into some production problems so they switch spots same company or same, same company this is coming out right. from disney all right okay so it moves up to october 9th right after it does that the martian moves back to october 2nd it was supposed to come out at christmas time but it got out of the way of star wars mm-hmm. so um and the martian is on imax screens the finest hour is going to be an imax and i think even imax 3d so because now they wouldn't have screens to show their movie and they'd be in direct competition with The Martian, they move it here to January. So this is a movie you think is going to be really good? It's oh, going to be yeah. well at the box office? I hope so. Really? I think, I think this appeals to a lot of older people to go watch it. The whole based on a true story. It's got the whole like Coast Guard, the sacrifice angle. You know, In a lot of ways, it's like a soldier movie. Perfect Storm. Perfect Storm did really well, yeah. I, I don't know. My... My dad, you're right. My dad would kind of like this movie, but I mean, I saw the trailer. Mm-hmm. I know the entire movie. So what? I know every beat. I know every twist, every turn. Plus, it's a true story. I know how it's going to end. It's you looked it up how you how it ends. I mean, no. See, I, <laughs> I assume I know. Uh, yeah. I, some I people understand. are going to die. Some people are going to live. Is John Goodman in this? I don't believe so. I think I saw John Goodman in one of the trailers. Very much has been another big fat guy with a wrench. Possibly, yeah. I, I, I didn't see his name. Okay, well, it's based on a true story. And I can understand that, sure, you know where it's going, so it kind of ruins the movie for you. But the central idea of this movie is courage, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what allows you to watch films like this and not care. Courage and responsibility. Yeah. 
Um, in the movie Ladder 49, John Travolta had the line, people are always asking me how it is that firefighters run into burning buildings when everyone else is running out. Courage is the answer. Wow. And I think in, but I think in these type of service type films, whether it's firefighters, military, Coast Guard, whatever, it's watching courage on the big screen and watching people right. make hard decisions that normally you only see movie action stars make, but knowing these were real people creates a certain type of intensity that makes people want to go and watch this. I I like your argumentation on this. <laughs> I don't know if it works, though. I, I, I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's out there. A couple of weeks ago, Benghazi soldiers tanked. The same sort of, had the same sort of sub-theme of courage, and it, it didn't do well at the box office. Uh, Is that from in the, the heart Michael of the Bay sea. effect? No, I just think people are just sort of uh, worn out by this sort of true story thing. I I, I don't know. I, I don't know how it resonates in the zeitgeist. People want to go to movies to escape things, not to be pummeled. I don't know. I don't, I'm but excited. then there's The Revenant, so I mean that blows my theory out of the water. Out of the water. <laughs> That's a big pun there. <laughs> Nice. Uh, I like everybody I was... that's involved with the film. Sorry. No, you're fine. Go I mean, I, I, I'm trying to figure out whether or not a, this is something I want to see, having already seen it, having already seen all the trailers. But because it's got Casey Affleck in it, it's got uh, Ben Foster, who was the Hand of God in 310 to Yuma. He's he's great little bit actor. Uh, Casey Affleck's the best actor of the Affleck brothers. Craig Gillespie wrote uh, a couple of really or he directed a couple of funny movies woodcock and lars and the real girl i like those movies a lot and scott silver the screenplay or the screenwriter wrote the fighter which was one of my favorite movies and everybody that's involved in the film i kind of enjoy i just don't know if the sum is going to be greater than the parts or the the whole is going to be greater than the sum of the parts i, I don't know what were you going to say you were, you were going to put up another defense for it I was eager to see this before I knew it was going to be an IMAX. But if you can go to a huge theater, great surround sound, feel like you're in the middle of the storm, I, I that appeals to me. I love experiencing bad weather, but I also like that after two hours, I can go out into the sunshine <laughs> okay. and be done with the bad weather. I can walk away from it. All right. So I don't know. I thought this was the... I, I couldn't distinguish between it and the heart of the sea for uh, some of its early trailer run. Oh yeah, wait a minute. This one doesn't. This one doesn't have a whale in it, right? <laughs> so I don't know. I, you know, I'm not going to crap on. it. I haven't seen it, but I have seen it. All right, <laughs> I've seen so it the trailers. Finest hour would be my pick. What's your pick for the movie of the weekend? Oh well, by far, Jane got a gun. I've been looking forward to this movie for a long time. Uh, you know, I'm a sucker for westerns. You you saw that from my some of my picks on last week's show. The our. 10 through 6 of our top 10 of the year. And there's some more coming up, but I think this one has an inside track on the top 10 of the year for 2016. Make Giving it an early early pick. Sounds good. Uh, what is it? Well, it's called Jane Got a Gun. I think I mentioned that. Jane Got a Gun starring uh, Natalie Portman as the titular Jane. And she gets along, or she gets her ex-fiance, Joel, played by Joel Egerton, to help defend her family against a vengeful outlaw played by Ewan McGregor. Again, like the last film, everyone that's involved with this, I kind of like. I like uh, the subject matter. And I finally get to see a movie in theaters. A uh, Western, that is. That's not, you know, got other things going for it. This is, I think, a straightforward shoot 'em up kind of Western, like The Salvation or Slow West, 
those are movies from last year that I liked and enjoyed. And, um, you know, I want to see a good Western movie in the movie theater. So I'm afraid it might be overwritten. There's a lot of people that are attached to this, to the screenplay, including Joel Egerton. And I know he was added late, uh, as an actor. Yeah. This had a real troubled production history. Lots of actors had to leave it. Uh, Bradley Cooper and Michael Fassbender both left, not because of creative differences, but because they just couldn't get the film off the ground and they had to go off and film other films. This is the movie I want to, um, review. So do I have to fight you for it? No, no, I, I'm into it. Uh, I like the director, Gavin O'Connor. He did uh, Warrior, which is an MMA film that also had Joel Egerton in it, as well as Tom Hardy, and then Miracle about the uh, Olympic hockey team that beat the Russians. He also did a movie about cops, Pride and Glory. Yeah, I, I haven't caught up with Pride and Glory I kind of like that. So I, I think it has good pedigree. Uh, it was supposed to come out last September. Unfortunately, the distributor went bankrupt, and this was tied up in the court system as an asset, so yeah. they weren't allowed to release it. It wasn't one of those, ooh, this movie's so bad, you know, let's just keep editing and try and find a decent movie in this. Well, when the actor is added late and he becomes one of the screenwriters, that does not bode well. But it could be a hot mess, and it could be a glorious mess. I I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, in, in general, but I think Joel Egerton is a very talented uh, storyteller, as I said on uh, last week's show when I named one of his movies in my top ten. Right. Um, I, I do think he is he, he can add something to your film. So, uh, interested to see Jane got a gun. Jane got a gun. Uh, also coming out is Kung Fu Panda three this weekend. Do you like the Jack Black as a giant fat panda? Uh no, I think he's sort of typecast. In typecast, that role. yeah. Uh, this also has Angelina Jolie and Dustin Hoffman. This is the continuing series of the Kung Fu Panda's legendary adventures of awesomeness. This time, Poe must face two hugely epic but different threats: one supernatural, and the other a little closer to his home. This was supposed to come out on December twenty third, but they pushed it back because of that thing called Star Wars. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that really shows the pull that Star Wars has because to me, Kung Fu Panda is kind of aimed at that like seven to ten year old market. Right. Um, Star Wars wants to tap into that market. Yeah. I mean, if you're afraid that Star Wars is going to get everyone between seven and 70, that's that's saying something about your film. The seven to ten year old market is the maple tree of the of of the franchise. You want to tap into it. And suck it for all it's worth. Because then they become the new fanboys later on. They talk about how transformative Star Wars The Force Awakens was Mm -hmm. in their movie-going You don't think people will be saying that about Kung Fu Panda 3? No. But it's got your fave, Brian Cranston, uh, is a voice talent. J.K. Simmons, my fave. Mm -hmm. Um, Dustin Hoffman. It's going to make a ton of money this weekend. What do you think? Hmm. I, I 55 ha- million really yeah and i'm also going to project that there are snowstorms that help you know do well i th- I, I think it's gonna make less than that i think it'll make f- less than 45 norma the north did well a couple weeks ago did it yeah it made around 10 million i think not and because of it, the critics yeah and i mean there's not much yeah, coming million. out for the kids there's a big difference between 10 and 50 yeah but that was a direct to video release or supposed to be hmm. this you know people are like oh yeah yeah, i like kung fu panda one and two wasn't that bad let's go watch three some people might have been burned by norm of the north they might be 
They might have bear fatigue. And I can see people being stuck in their houses with the kids. All right, let's go to the movies. Let's go watch something. What can we see? We've already seen Star Wars five times. Let's go watch <laughs> Kung Fu Panda. All right. So. Is this our first box office bet of the year? How much Kung Fu Panda makes? Yeah. What are I you say, saying the over-under I said under less at? than, I'll set the over-under at 47. All right, I'll take the over. All right. I'll gladly take your money. <laughs> okay. The uh, gentleman's bet. Yeah. So, and then there's one last film coming out. It's kind of weird. Fifty Shades of Black. Fifty Shades of Black. Uh, this is coming from uh, Marlon Wayans. I think he was involved in the screenplay writing of it. Uh, previously, he had done movies like uh, Haunted House. So this is a send up. Yeah, it's one of those parody satire things. He was also involved so they're doing in the scary movie stuff. Parody satire of the movie that just won or was nominated for a Razzies. Yeah. Yeah, Fifty Shades. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody really liked that movie, but it, I guess it made some box office. So they're expecting this will make some box office? I, don't I know. guess it's making fun of Fifty Shades of Grey. Huh. A lot of these parodies have been going in the PG-13 route. This is going to be rated R, though. It's got Jane Seymour and Fred Willard in it. I love those two people. Well, I, I could always use more of them in my life. Fred Willard will star in your... Or do a bit part in your movie if you give him free lunch. <laughs> Ooh, wow, that's harsh. I like Fred Willard. He's funny. What, how do you, He's how not do you as explain funny. the way I, Jane I don't Seymour. like him as much. Uh, she needs the work. Oh, those those right. um, jewelry store ads aren't paying the bills anymore. <laughs> okay. Everyone's bought their two heart interlocking thing. The second Jane of the week. Yeah. Uh, Wait, you don't like Fred, Fred Willard is the poor man's. Who are you going to say? Ooh, Steve Martin. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not big on Fred Willard. Right. He's he's one of those big ad libbers. He loves to just do yeah, the ad lib, and I'm, I don't like ad libbing. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of ad libbing in this, but no, oh, maybe I don't know. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I'm not going to see it. I'm, I don't think I've ever seen any of those satire movies. So even if you're flipping through the channels on HBO here in six months, you no. would, this wouldn't Unless stop you. I saw Fred Willard and Jane Seymour, I might <laughs> stop. But then as soon as I figured out what it was, I'd, I'd keep going. Go All right. Zip right past it. Well, with four movies out in the box office this weekend, I don't see any point in giving a red box pick. This this but pick. Do you have a streaming pick for us? I, I do, and, and it's it's based on my. Uh, I I recommended um, to Nicole C this movie, friend of the show, and uh, interested to see what she has to say about it because it's uh, another one of those documentaries that examine the life of the overbearing parent on a uh on a athletic or semi-athletic <laughs> progeny why or, do you laugh you say semi-athletic i mean it's one thing if you're like yeah you could clearly see this kid's destined for the nfl or the nba no, that, or something no the but parents it, think if they it's are. a slightly like overweight ah mediocre kid, yeah <laughs> oh yeah it's it, the, these people are convinced that their their kid is the next uh I don't know, Tiger Woods or the next Larry Bird. And uh, they put a lot of time and effort into trying to prove to them how important it is to be, you know, to work hard. Or I, They come from different perspectives. They have different motivations, but they're all in a race to figure out who's the biggest douchebag parent. <laughs> and it's hard. It's, it's hard to assess it. I think there's five parents that are that are trying to race to the top. They're trying to trying to hit the tape that says douchebag on it. They're trying to run past it first. And at the end of the movie, you're like, wait a minute. I don't know which one of these 
these people I, I dislike more. Wow. Do any of the kids seem to enjoy playing whatever sport they're involved in? Uh, some of them do. Some of them don't. Some of them, I mean, you can cut the film in any way you want. Uh, there's an interesting segment about parents who force a school to drop its coach, its head coach. And then they have interviews with the head coach. They have interviews with the kids who are involved and the parents who are involved. It's, I mean, it's, it's very present. I mean, especially because we teach in the high school and we know what it's like to have parents who sort of, uh, I don't know, I guess it's the tail wagging the dog scenario. Mm -hmm. And this guy mentions that, it references that. He's like, this is the world that we're living in now. And I've been coaching football here or coaching basketball here for 20 some odd years and a a couple of loudmouth parents who were upset about things um, went behind my back and, well, or not even behind his back, they went to the press and got him got him canned so wow. uh the it's directed by chris bell it's got some of the same footage as the movie the short game mm-hmm. and it, it focuses on one of the teen or one of the children from that movie amari avery who thinks her child is going to be his child is going to be a female equivalent of of tiger woods he is a complete jerk in the short game but this exposes him for being even worse than what you would have thought. Uh, we might be seeing a doc, the documentation of our next set of uh, of school shooters, some of these kids, wow. <laughs> as they grow older, yeah. Uh, although there is one extended scene where I found myself conflicted because of the, the father that was berating his son because the son wanted to end a conversation without his permission. And I... I, it's a it's a hard scene to watch because it lingers and it, it hangs there. But I, I I found myself agreeing with the father, just the message, mm-hmm. not the method, because it, it it teeters over into abuse. But I kind of can see his perspective on on how he what his point of view is on how he should treat his kid. But he just he takes it a little too far. He takes it to eleven, and I'm not sure. I mean the way the movie pans out sort of answers the question as to whether or not it's effective. But um, I don't know. The world is a little bit different place now, and I'm not sure that that's a good thing. I mean, hmm. it might actually be a bad thing. His his message is that he needs to make this kid into a man. His method of doing it is something I don't necessarily agree with. But it was an HBO movie. Uh, it was on HBO, next, uh, HBO document. Uh, documentary movie in 2014, I think, but now it's streaming on Netflix. I like it. It's my um, net pick of the week. Does this complete the trilogy, or is this more of a quadrilogy of what's going on with teens today? Over the last couple of months, you've had pits of documentaries like 500 Words or Less and The Short Game. This seems to be following that vein. I don't Does know. Does this complete the trilogy? No. The case study? I think it's a it's an ongoing thing. If, if there's good movies out there that did wrestle with this question, and either at least expose the the world that I that I know that I think a lot of people don't know, but I have a different perspective on it. Like if you're a parent, you might know some of these things, but sometimes you're too close to the situation to get a good objective view. Mm-hmm. Being my age and not having any kids, but having a lot of friends who have kids, uh, you know, of the same age as some of these parents, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's... I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting viewpoint. It's like I said. It's like watching a train wreck from the top of a hill. Like I don't have to see the blood and the guts, 
but I can see the spectacular uh, destruction as it occurs underneath me. Right. And I, I, I don't know. I You've convinced me. I will go see the Trophy Kids. All right. I, I'm very well, interested in wow. this. Um, Mark that one down, people. Yeah. Uh, real quick, before we sign off, we need to give thanks. At the beginning of the show, you may have noticed that we had a new announcer. That voice comes from the talented voice artist, John Anderson. If you'd like to get his help on your next project, you can email John at hawkoneman at yahoo.com. That's hawk, the number one, and then man with two ends at yahoo.com. Thank you, John, for the wonderful jumpstart you provide to our show. We couldn't do it without you. And now, it's time for the rundown. There, there are four movies coming out in theaters for the January 29th weekend. They are The Finest Hours, Jane Got a Gun, Kung Fu Panda 3, and Fifty Shades of Black. I'm telling you to go watch Finest Hours. Uh, the L Train saying Jane Got a Gun is his pick of the week. Yeah, and I guess we'll figure out... No, finest hours to win the box office. Jane got yeah, a gun. Yeah, but I don't mind doing a review of Jane got a gun. Do you think uh, Kung Fu Panda or Finest Hours gets the box office? Kung Fu Panda wins box office. I'm saying. All right, so Jane got a gun finishes last. Yeah, Jane got a gun. Uh, probably less than less ten. Than, yeah, less than ten. I was going to say less than eight. So I'll go with yours. All right, I'll go with the over under on eight. <laughs> I'll say less than eight. All right, fair enough. Um, that is episode 116. Join us for episode 117, where we finish our off our list of the top 10 movies of the year 2015. We're going to be joined by a special guest that you'll have to tune in to hear what his top films are. All right. So uh, thank you for joining me, L-Train. Thank you, Mr. Two Frames. There be dragons. Oxy Bairdom. Bairdom.